Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome in to the Buddhist Biohacker. We are live, and welcome to everybody from all around the world. Oh, we've got some feedback. We are live, and welcome. There we go. It's all good. We are live, and I wonder what it's doing. There we go. Is that me or you? It's all good. I I took out the echo thing. Is that me or you? <laughs> That's so weird. I took out the echo thing. Do you have an echo setting on yours? Um, I do, and it's off. I don't have it on anything else. Let's see. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Welcome. We're figuring out our technical issues. Can you hear me now? <laughs> Okay, let's see if it stops now that I put headphones on. Yeah, it did. It did. Okay, there we go. <laughs> That's all good. It's all good, right? But welcome in, everybody. For everybody joining in the live, you guys can put your comments and questions, as always, in the comment box. I would love to hear how everybody's solstice went, how you're feeling with the energy right now um, across the globe. Um, Schumann resonance, super high, has been for, it seems like, quite a while now. So there's a lot of energy coming onto the planet right now. And we are back this week with Sean McNamara. He is the author of Renegade Mystic. And um, I had, I just saw you, Sean, on the documentary series. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh, we lost him. Oh no. Hold on, everybody. He'll be back. Here we go. I'm back. You're back. <laughs> Well, welcome in. Let's just start with that. It's still Mercury retrograde, so we'll blame all the technical issues on that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it's still echoing on my side. Is it really? It's got to be playing on your computer. Like, do you have YouTube up or something somewhere on your device? Because that's got to be what's happening. That's exactly. Then it. you don't need your headphones either. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so sorry. It's okay. I've learned to roll with it on YouTube because it's things just happen and you just have to go with it. Yeah, uh, it's so funny because I've seen this mistake happen in other interviews with other people. <laughs> and I'm like, haven't people figured out Zoom yet? <laughs> and here I am, the guy this time. I finally <laughs> did it. <laughs> it's all good. The good news is we both know how to roll with the punches and that's exactly how this is and how it goes. And um, I would love to dive in. I think, you know, you've been on the show before, so folks know who you are. I will have you just share just a titch bit about who you are and what you're up to, and then we'll kind of dive into what we want to talk about today. So, okay. So do you want me to talk yeah, about Yeah, do it. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think most, most people are in the audience probably know me from my work over the last few years, uh, which started off as a journey of finding my own spiritual independence and autonomy. I used to be part of a couple of different spiritual groups where the teachers and the organizations ended up being harmful. So I had to find my way out of that. And what got me out of that was finding my own way. Cause my, my main question about life was what happens when we die? So I taught myself how to have out of body experiences. And that instantly gave me the self-confidence to leave those abusive teachers and organizations because I, I realized I was following things that really weren't serving me and I didn't need to anymore now that I had my own way to find my answer. And then I, that started a journey into spiritual or psychic exploration because for me, I wanted to find other ways, non-religious ways to explore consciousness and spirit and the non-physical realities. So I started learning telekinesis or psychokinesis, moving objects with the mind and teaching people how to do that and exploring clairvoyance through remote viewing and teaching people how to do that. And in 2019, I had a group of friends I was working with and twice we won uh, the pick three lottery using a team style version of remote viewing, which was really fun. And I was teaching classes through all that time and then COVID happened and I, you know, I started grad school. So all that slowed down 
And one thing I've been struck with in the last year is that one of my hopes in teaching people psychic abilities was that it would help them be better people because to really access that deeper aspect of mind, I think requires patience, relaxation, even the sense of kindness, loving kindness, compassion. But what I found is that in some instances, it can make a person's ego this much bigger when they discover or they start practicing their psychic abilities. And I realized this is a crude way to put it, but psychic abilities are like money. They just make you more of who you are. So if you're a good person and you want to find ways to reach out to others in positive ways or to show people their deeper nature, you can use psychic abilities for that. Or if you just want to aggrandize yourself and blow up your ego and say, look what I can do and I'm better than other people or use it as a way to set yourself apart or on a pedestal, you can do that too. And that's kind of turned me off a little bit <laughs> lately. And I think part of it's part of that realization is because of COVID and everything, just realizing um, social inequity. Yeah. Generally. And looking at the spiritual scene and seeing how a lot of people speak from that, you know, it's nice to have certain viewpoints when you're up here on the socioeconomic ladder. Mm -hmm. For people who are struggling a lot harder, don't have the convenience and time to think about these highfalutin, you know, consciousness related matters. And this is also the side effect of me going to graduate school to get a counseling license. You know, I, I'm learning about these things more, taking a closer look at myself and asking myself, how can I be more helpful? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I still enjoy exploring psychic abilities. In fact, I'm still working with my group of friends. A few weeks ago, and we can talk about it if you want, we did a great day up in Golden where we practice using dowsing rods and we, oh, cool. we looked for gold and power objects and oil, and they did really great. And then last weekend, we did a really cool experiment. There's a float center on South Pearl Street here in Denver called Easy Float. And we rented four tanks, and we did a telepathy experiment. Oh, that's cool. And it's really great. And I'm going to release a video about that down the road. We're going to do another session to see if we can tweak the results. But so we're still exploring, and it's really based in friendship and a sense of comfort that we have with each other. So I think there's still lots of value in spiritual or psychic exploration. Um, but it's, you know, it's just a weird time. And, and also with the UFOs showing up on CNN, mm -hmm. <laughs> all the news outlets and the military started to be a lot more out about what they know and letting Air Force pilots speak on 60 Minutes about what they've actually seen and experienced. And I know this, you know, and it's funny because, you know, that comedian, Nate Bargatze, he's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he opens with this show of here's how bad the last year was. There were UFOs on the news and nobody really cared. You know? <laughs> <laughs> everything is so, you know, everything is difficult and confusing these days. But I think on a consciousness level for the planet that UFOs are entering the mainstream is a significant thing. Yes. And there are people who are already in the flow with it because they've already, they've known about UFOs that they've seen them, them I've seen them. Mm -hmm. So we're more comfortable, but still at least half the population is going, is this for real? And what does that mean for me? Mm -hmm. And it's probably gonna get more, well, the response will get more uh, pronounced as more and more information comes out over the next few years. If more information comes out over the next few years, there's no way to tell. But so I think, because of everything, we're in a point of crisis as a planet on various levels. We're also at a point of opportunity. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about these days. Oh my God. Well, you said like six things I want to dive into and I want to start, you know, what you shared um, about the psychic abilities is really profound um, in that it's like money and it enhances who you are. And I love that. I've never heard anybody say it that way. And it's so true. And we're seeing it in so, on so many levels um, because there is such an expansion of awareness around spirituality. And there's so many buzzwords, right? There's 5D, there's Ascension. There, there's all these buzzwords out there. And there's a lot of people capitalizing on that 
And then there's people out there doing real work around it. And so what you bring up is really profound. I had this incredible shift recently that you're activating when you're talking about that for me, which is I've recognized, you know, I've been doing psychic readings for since 2006, I mean, for 15 years. And what's changed for me is that even doing a psychic reading is in fact an egoic control energy. It's very much like you're telling somebody information, you're telling them what to do in a lot of ways, like this is happening or this is what's going on. And so I've even experienced this shift in how I'm working with people. And I think in some ways it probably already always was there in how I worked with people, but it's very conscious now, which is it's really about empowering you, the client, whoever, you know, empowering people to take ownership and responsibility of their own reality and really just sharing what you're here to do and and what is blocking you from that i don't know if i'm articulating that well but i just think there's a shift in like telling people information versus inviting them to look at the information themselves and empowering that all of us are psychic you know i mean that's that's the message is anyone can do these activities anybody can have an out-of-body experience if you are willing to do the practices and be disciplined you know you can develop your clairvoyance you can you know develop telepathy all these things so i really love what you're saying and it's profound because that is the difference between an authentic teacher and a service to self teacher right the authentic teacher wants to give you information and teach and empower you to do it yourself where a service to self or an egoic teacher is going to want to hoard the information, you know, protect their own sense of control and tell you what to do. Um, and so it's just really profound what you're saying. I love how you worded that because that just really makes so much sense to me. Well, you're bringing up a memory I have from a few years ago that connects to what you described in terms of working with people doing psychic readings. because. A few years ago, I did a year-long mediumship training program over at ISIS Bookstore. On oh, Broadway. Yeah. Great, great people there. Love it there. And um, and as, and I wanted to sort of work on my skills doing readings. So there was a brief, very brief period of time where I offered free readings. And I you know, I put it on Craigslist, big mistake, maybe. I don't know. But I was overwhelmed. I got a lot of people wanted readings. And, I, and they had gotten readings from other people. And what I realized right away is that some or many of them wanted to be told what to do. Some of them wanted me to just say things that agreed with what they already thought and they weren't willing to take in contradictory information. Some people were addicted to readings. They just wanted more and more and come back and um, and it was really hard to offer them, for me at the time, to offer them a sense of autonomy, which is what you're talking about, you know, giving them information, but in a way where they work with it, where they take responsibility for themselves and actually change their lives for the better that way. And I experienced this when I was a massage therapist a long time ago too, or I would give people homework after a session, here's how you can make this pain go away for good, or here's some things you can do on your own so you don't have to pay me every week and you can heal yourself that most people never did. They just wanted to come in and have me fix them. Yeah. <laughs> and so this, this is a theme I'm sure that shows up across many different segments of life, but it definitely showed up during that brief period of time when I was doing phone readings for people. Um, so it's just really delicate stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and the other thing I realized when I did those readings is they don't really need to know the future. What they need is the help of, um, like a therapist or a counselor or some other, there's something else that's very down to earth that that they need help with. Yeah. <laughs> you might yeah. be dealing with past hurts or past injuries or patterns, things like that, that no amount of psychic information on its own will just take take care of for them. Right. So it's kind of like there's, I think if someone can blend both qualities and mostly what you're talking about inviting that person to really take it on, take self-responsibility for the information and what they do with it, then there's a lot of good potential there. 
Mm -hmm. I wrote in my journal just the other day, actually, I have to share this because you'll appreciate it. And I think everybody listening will. But I wrote down what happens when I become a container for holding. Mm -hmm. And that is really what I think is happening in the evolution of the reading. My little quotes <laughs> is you're really holding this present space you know you're now time with someone and for me that's when i access the akashic records that's when i i'm able to see the the patterning of the light body and all of the information comes when i'm completely present with that person you can't be looking around if you're trying to see a timeline essentially and and so that's really for me where i think i'm headed and is to that place of we're just really holding space for that 30 minutes or that hour whatever that time is you're you're a container for the quantum energy fields really and and that's what you're accessing in co-creation with the person rather than i have all the info i'm going to give you what i feel like <laughs> you this is what you should do with your life go do it or this is what's going to happen um, because the other thing that I've noticed, I'm curious what you've noticed in your own meditation practice. And we have lots of great comments, so I promise I'll get to you guys also in your questions. But is there such a collective creation right now? I've just noticed that like to predict the future, I mean, I've been doing that for years and it's still possible, but it really changes so fast all the time now it's it's you really have to feel like something is solid and has landed or else it's totally possible to change it and even then it's possible to change it so i'm just wondering if you've noticed in your your own practices if you've noticed there's this collective energy happening with all of us in amongst the individual experiences as well oh that's a really really subtle <laughs> <laughs> How do I answer that? I mean, it, it's it's tough because I think for maybe there's something collectively happening, but the rational, ordinary mind that works on the surface level that we're all using every day to do our jobs, or you know, and also the irrational mind, the survival instinct is activated every time we turn on the news or look at social media. So even if something collectively is happening on the surface level, our higher functioning brain, can we, can we, are people noticing? <laughs> you know, I think we're all being distracted by what we see on our screens mm -hmm. or by the busyness or by the fact that we are, some of us are scared to death about what's going to come next or what's going on with the economy or, you know, all this stuff. So, on some level, we're all just really distracted and scared or frustrated. And we've all we've been politically divided in different ways. So we're really, you know, we're we're being tugged by our survival instinct. And unless you have really strong willpower or or you're clear of that somehow, you know, to tap in on some to some deeper realm or to the Akashic record or to whatever we're experiencing communally, I think is challenging for some is difficult um because right now most people need to figure out how am i going to pay rent next month you know yeah. so what's being more projected overall on an obvious level is a whole lot of fear and and doubt about what information are we getting which is interesting because that means this is a great time to put yourself on a on a fast from the screen world <laughs> yes. and maybe try and engage in meditation or some sort of spiritual practice longer every day so you're spending more time inside here inside here instead of doing this it's a great time because people will notice the contrast a lot more powerfully if, you, if a person decides okay every day this week I'm going to sit in silence, just sit in silence in a dark room, in a peaceful room for a half an hour every day for a week. You might notice that your level of stress does go down. Mm -hmm. And then you extend that more and more. It doesn't really matter what technique you use. It's really a matter of 
not doing this as much every day and being in your heart, feeling inside your body, inside your mind. And then people can tap in or the, and they might feel what's actually happening at a much deeper level for all of us, you know? Yeah. Which is really what we want to dive into today is how to turn in. Um, but I can't ignore all these UFO comments since you brought it up. So we're going to do that first. <laughs> but uh, Lars, we love Lars. He's way across uh, the water from us. But um, he was talking about showing discernment um, with ETs. He said, just because you can fly a UFO doesn't mean they are love, light, and service. And uh, I'm going to address that in a minute for sure. Um, but let's talk about what do you think about all the UFO stuff? Like, what are your experiences and what are you feeling about why the mainstream suddenly is talking about it? I think one reason the mainstream is talking about it is because they're everywhere and there are more and more people are seeing them, especially people in the military are seeing them it, because the public is just talking about it more. It's slowly becoming more acceptable. People are capturing them more than ever on cameras our technology for the consumer is improving so much. People can go out and buy infrared cameras mm -hmm. and call it at night. More and more CE groups are forming around the world. And that, so that's a contact protocol and they're able to make contact. So it, in, a, in a sense, the media is finally catching up with the public. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, the media is the voice that gets heard. The public largely goes ignored. But they're really just saying that many of us are saying, duh, you know, of course, finally, you guys are mm -hmm. admitting it or asking questions. So that's one reason. Another reason is probably uh, just plain old politics or the military's job is to defend national boundaries. And different parts of the government use the public opinion to, to seek funds or seek approval for funds. So if the military wants more money to research this or to defend the country, which is their job, they need the public support. So this is another way to do it. Um, and that's how they're gonna focus on it is we need to defend ourselves. But what that really means is they wanna find a way to get closer, to learn what is happening, which we all wanna know what is happening. And because we don't know, I think we all have to admit, or at least I admit to myself, I don't know what's going on up there. I don't know if there are good ones and bad ones, or if some are really already in contact with the, you know, I have no direct source of information, but I have seen them myself in the sky. I've been with a group led by a person who's had contact since he was a child. This is Ricardo Gonzalez mm -hmm. and he's from Peru. And the thing is, I think most of the audience today is from the United States and we are backwards in the world of ufology. We are backwards. It's a circus for us. It's entertainment. But other parts of the world have a much more mature, in my opinion, attitude towards UFOs. And some of them have had ongoing contact and communications with them for decades. Ricardo Gonzalez has had, it, had that contact since he was a kid. And he's been standing on the rooftop of his house with journalists standing next to him while they're hovering up above in the sky. Wow. They take this very mature approach toward it. So I think for Americans, we have a lot of catching up to do. Um, I've also had, and I talk about this in my book, Renegade Mystic, some very intimate encounters with them in non-physical spaces. So in the liminal state of falling asleep, the first time was one entered my mind and it appeared what people characteristically call a gray, like a gray. Mm -hmm. I didn't invite it. I wasn't expecting it. it was there and it wouldn't go away until it wanted to. And I felt really uncomfortable for at least a week after that, because I realized I had no control in that situation. And I didn't understand what was happening. Mm -hmm. But then soon after that, I had another encounter in a non-physical space, sort of like an out-of-body experience. And this is with a feminine being that did not look like a gray. It looked like something else actually my wife my wife calls her the the frog lady because of how i describe her but she seemed to have an outfit on with a skin was green and brown and mottled and but i could tell it was like some sort of costume or disguise but and we had basically a, a strange kind of sexual encounter that ended up sending energy up my spine basically what people would describe as a classical kundalini experience mm 
And that was very interesting, but I don't know the purpose of that. And it's not like there was a permanent change in me afterward. It's not like suddenly I was enlightened or something, you know, nothing like that happened. I had this one-time experience and it was lovely. I don't know if it changed me for the better or not, whatever. <laughs> and then on my own, um, and with Sierra next to me, one afternoon we were hanging out at the Denver Botanic Gardens in the middle of the afternoon and we saw something up in the sky. And for about a week after that, I felt a sense of grace, mm. which is really lovely. Mm. And so those are those are basically my experiences. Um, and so it's you know there's some fear there, there's some anxiety, there's a lot of not knowing, there's also a lot of grace and positive feelings. But of course, you can use positive feelings for various purposes you know maybe they're not all positive i don't know but uh, so i'm careful to not come to any conclusions i think it's important for people or for myself at least to be um, an open-minded skeptic skeptic doesn't mean denying that's a pseudo skeptic an open-minded skeptic means i will continue to take in more and more data hopefully as much personal direct information or experience as possible and I will delay or offset coming to any conclusion. And you know, I might sway this way or that way over time. But one thing that's for sure is I'm gonna take everything I see on the news with a big fat grain of salt because it's being filtered, it's being delivered by people with personal biases or other agendas. So I think we all have to be really careful and seek your own experience, which people can do. You know, people can go out at night and look up at the stars. And there, there are guides out there. Um, there's something called the, the CE5 Handbook. Mm-hmm. People Google that. It's There's a free PDF online from their website, or you can buy the paperback. But it's a great guide. If you want to learn how to go out at night and invite them to come to you, because this is the consciousness matter, they can sense your intention or find a group of friends to do this with. And if you stick with it, and work at it, you will eventually have an experience. And you'll be able to tell the difference between an unidentified flying object and an aircraft or a satellite or other man-made objects, you know. And what is a UFO, what is inside the UFO? Is there a living being in there or is it a drone? You know, who, these are other questions that we're at the point where we, we just need to be asking very good questions and not deciding on a final answer on any of it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people already have their answers and they're going to try and convince you that their answer is correct. The UFO thing is also an industry in itself. There's a lot of money there mm-hmm. in terms of government, but also in terms of who's holding conventions, who's writing books, who's becoming the rock star representative of UFOs or ETs. There are people combining the ET phenomena with other kind of spiritual things. And I'm not saying any of it is bad. I'm not saying any of it is bad. People are delivering education, sharing experiences, giving helpful guidance through these vehicles, which is great. Um, It also means everyone who's doing it does also have some agenda. Everyone has one direction or other they're leaning to. I attend UFO conferences. I love them. But I don't believe everything I hear automatically when I go to them. I'm just taking in information. And I'll probably be digesting that information until the day I die. <laughs> so, and, and the thing is, again, this is, we've all been formed as a society to have certain opinions about these phenomena. Because if I ask anyone on the street, you know, tell me your top three movies about UFOs, they generally have a the theme of going to war or the destruction mm-hmm. of the world or something really bad happening. So Hollywood has not done us very many favors in terms of forming a healthy, open opinion about what this might all be about. So. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's such a grounded approach to take. And, and yeah, I think the more we learn, the more we understand that we don't know anything about anything it's like it just gets bigger and bigger and it's like oh my gosh and you know i want to go back to lars who lars is from denmark so thank you lars for reminding me where you're from and i love his little this i think was from your story (laughs) this little frog (laughs) 
But, you know, Lars, you were talking about, you know, service to self versus service to others or, <clears throat> you know, the polarized differences between different ETs or um, I like to call them ultra terrestrials rather than extraterrestrials. But, you know, the thing I want to just address for you, Lars, is that the message for me that I continue to get from the Sacred Council is very much that the solution is loving the good and the bad and not discriminating. And that saying, for example, that all reptilians are service to self and controlling and icky would be like saying all human beings are service to self and controlling and icky. That you have to, again, it goes back to what you said, Sean, about the mature approach rather than the immature approach is we don't want to categorize them <laughs> by their species or or by you know one thing or another because it's still a group of beings like just like we are and so keeping that in mind and and also keeping in mind that we are made up of all of the genetic structures from these different systems and i think that that's something that has come forward for me in my own work this past year in, un, in my level of understanding is our DNA is all of those things. Birds and reptilians and greys and Pleiadians and whatever, Orions, we're all of those things because we've had experiences in a lot of those places in our galaxy. So categorizing or discriminating against any of those beings or even a, a negative being as an individual is really just denying our own selves and our own shadow. So I think, you know, while I know that there are people that have had negative, what they would say are negative experiences with ultra terrestrials, I think there's still something about that to learn or to face or to overcome, you know, and I don't know, I just honestly, I've been practicing loving it all. I've been practicing holding and, you know, practicing really like the practices of the bodhicitta for all species because maybe there are reptilians that control the planet but that doesn't mean we should hate them maybe maybe we took their planet from them if you look at galactic history maybe they're angry about that maybe we just need to have compassion for them and i think it's really important because we don't know we don't know <laughs> the more we know we don't know anything and we can only imagine you know what is really going on here and what we've been allowed to see or feel. Yeah, I mean, I love that you bring up the bodhicitta approach you take, the loving kindness for all of it, because in a sense, that is the highest view or the highest approach someone can take. And in a way, it's an insurance policy because that's sort of, a, we could just call it a higher functioning of the mind. Whereas the lower levels of the mind are very tribalistic, they're very animalistic, they're very defensive, fear-based, aggressive, and and so when we make our priority to take the higher approach of loving kindness toward everything even the bad you know it used to be that's an approach that we it's just earthbound spirituality but now we're talking about galactic spirituality and it's a protection against that part of us that is has a tendency towards the tribalism or we're talking about racism here too you know, because that part of our brain, you know, the way we've developed as a species over the several last several hundred thousands of years, we're tribalistic. We don't, you know, some part of our brain doesn't like people who look different than us or our family or our tribe. Our first response is aggression or self-defense. And it's still in some part of our brain. So if you, you know, if, I gave a presentation about this before. If we think about three different kinds of ETs that people claim to have seen, you have the Nordics that look like tall, blonde, blue-eyed supermodels. And then you've got <laughs> reptilians that look like lizards. You've got the grays that look like something else. You know, if you take it from a racist perspective, we we automatically assume that the ones that look really human and blonde and beautiful are good mm -hmm. and that the lizards are bad and evil because they remind us of Dracula or, or whatever. You know, we some part of us is automatically going to go there even before we have enough information 
or direct experience or insight to really form a more educated decision. You know, people say, why, why don't they just land on the White House lawn and say hello? Well, because half the people on the street are carrying a handgun and the first thing they're gonna do is shoot at them. Mm -hmm. You know, that I heard it someplace Southeast, and I think this is a real thing, is gonna be releasing hunting licenses for Bigfoot which I think is really, really stupid. Whether or not you believe in Bigfoot, this is a reflection of our attitude. What do you want to do? What's the first thing you want to do when you see this incredible being, if you ever do? I want to shoot it. You know, that's, So as human beings as a species has a lot of work to do with working around, because unless we have some sort of futuristic brain surgery, we're not going to change that part of our brain. But if we create a personal priority for each one of us to work on that higher level of bodhicitta, loving kindness, to take on those spiritual ideals that we find in every religion, every religion has these beautiful guidelines for how to be with others and how to overcome our natural aggression. So if we can apply that not just to other humans, the ones who don't look like our family, um, apply that to these other beings that we may be having contact with all the time or more of in the future. If we can apply that, then we have a chance. Otherwise, we're just going to be a bunch of mindless, aggressive, dangerous beings compared to them, perhaps. You know, I think they must have overcome something to develop their societies well enough to leave their planet and travel through space. They overcame that and we still have not. We're we're much closer to blowing ourselves up through nuclear war because we're operating from this animalistic brain, mm -hmm. even at the highest levels of government and military. We're closer to killing ourselves than from developing enough technology to take large portions of the population to the moon, to Mars, to the next galaxy over. So these other species figured it out somehow. They figured out the way to peace or control <laughs> <laughs> to prevent self-destruction mm -hmm. so they could grow their technology over time to do what they can do. So they figured it out. And maybe they can be a model for us how we can figure out a way to not kill ourselves in the next one, two, or 500 years. Yeah, when you bring up a good point, because until we can you know, there's a lot of us, and I would include myself in that, that are like, oh, I'm just ready for, you know, the the ultra terrestrials to just be with us and like move on from this like secret stuff and whatever. But we're, until we can get along within our own cultures, in our own race, <laughs> how are we going to accept other races and and other races that don't have masculine and feminine or that aren't part of what we expect or represent fear, you know, for us. Like if you look at an insectoid, like I just met this galactic spider that showed up two weeks ago and he's really awesome, but he's this gigantic spider. Like I'm not scared of spiders. And now I understand why, because I have this relationship with the spider. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is there's a lot of people that are and, and so when you think about how can you accept something that can look and feel so scary to us because of our minds, because of the programming, because of what we think. And so we have to, we have to show, I think, that we can collectively come together. And what's happened over the last 18 months is we've divided the pie so much that there's like ultra segregation across our planet right now in many different facets from the injection to race to gender to we've just separated everything into all these tiny little pieces until we come together that's to me is when they will show up on the white house lawn like that's when they can come here because like you said right now it's not safe for them to come here and um it totally like brings up for me i'm i'm really passionate about this right now because i'm a medium and what's happened is this bizarre thing has happened in which the ultra terrestrials are asking me to be a medium for them, for hmm. those that they've lost here on the planet that are trapped here on the planet because their energy fields 
um, because <clears throat> our government is doing things to them. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the other way around. It's not like, oh, there's there's abductions and things. This is like when they're coming into our airspace, what do you think the military is doing? Mm -hmm. And I think we have to ask those tough questions because there's always two there's always two sides to everything. It's never just, you know, one thing, you know, one side or, or one way. Um, I don't know who this is. Miss Silver, but she said she had a moment in meditation, my hand on a gate, a hand on the other side, palm touching my palm. It was a peaceful experience, but my mind stepped in and said, no, I'm not ready. And it was gone. And I think that happens a lot. I think when we see things we're not ready to see, it's like you're out of it pretty fast. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I've had so many frustrating moments in various types of exploration where I just get there and somebody says, not today, <laughs> not yet. And I think that's fine. Um, that's something I talk about with uh, out-of-body experiences when training people, because there, fear is the biggest barrier to success. What I tell them, the way to overcome it is there's no way to work around it, but you get to a level where the fear hits and then it it's kills the experience. But you practice regularly and you get there over and over again until it gets boring. And when the boredom sets in, you know that you're comfortable with it. And when you become bored, that's when you actually go to the next level of the experience. And of course, there's more fear there because it's a novel experience. Now you hit that level over and over again, and then you go further. So I would suggest to, to this, uh, I think her name was Miss Silver, don't be disappointed or give up because this was just the first step. You know, If you're open to it or if you have your own way of working at it, if you just try and touch touch that palm again, go find that gate again over and over again, um, next time the gate might open. Or maybe that hand will pull you in a little more until you get scared again, and that's okay. Someone, Something out there, this experience is going to teach you the way in. You just have to soften your reactivity to it. And the only way to do that is repetition. So mm -hmm. I want to say something about what, the experiences you're describing where you're having contact with these beings. And I think that's a very special thing because that's their access to us where they don't have to land on the White House lawn and risk being hurt through telepathy or clairvoyance or, um, you know, these liminal states, they know who they can be in touch with. So they know Lisa, Lisa's open. She's not going to be uber aggressive at me or at us. She's in contact with a lot of people she can represent. She can deliver a message. She can be an open portal. She can convey in an open, accepting way. Let's make contact with her. And I think so that people can think about that for themselves. Maybe you don't want to hang out in a wheat field till two in the morning every night trying to do a CE5 protocol. So learn to meditate or how to have out-of-body experiences or practice mediumship. All of these are ways to open up the lines of communication and then set your attention that you would like to be in touch with someone who's in line with your best interest. And I know this opens up a lot of questions about safety and fear and what if you invite somebody negative, you know, <laughs> that's more complex. But I think if you're a good person, if you have good intention, and if you're very careful and mature, and maybe you have a mentor like Lisa, is a, you're a mentor, find a mentor who can guide you along, but you can become a communication channel for these beings. And then in a way, the, because it's non-physical, there is a safety there too. Mm -hmm. You can close the door when you want to. Yeah, there's a, there's a protection and um, not to like shamelessly plug, but I will say like I lead moon circles for my members every full moon and new moon. And you know what, Sean, that's what we've been doing. We've actually been doing a remote CE5 practice with the Bodhicitta. Mm -hmm. So what I've been doing is leading our circles through really getting into the heart space and getting into the space of compassion and opening that up and just inviting those energies to come. And, um, you know, we're just beginning this process in the last I don't know, a couple months. Um, but it's cer I've certainly had profound experiences from doing this. And I know that some people in my group are starting to have those. So there's so much fear around 
ultra terrestrials for us. It's like built into our brains at this point, like you said, Sean, from movies and from, I mean, there's all this fear energy. Um, and so what I'm learning is that a lot of times they do mind erase. You don't remember connecting with them. And so what I've been practicing is please don't do that to me anymore. I want to see you. I'm not afraid. And the experiences are starting to open up. So just like you're saying, Sean, for everybody out there, just being in compassion. I mean, the Dalai Lama is a lot of things, but one thing that I got from him in all of those seven years, I followed him around is that there was this level of trust that he has in how the universe works. And that trust feels to me even bigger than the compassion. I mean, it's all intertwined, but his representation of compassion and of love and, you know, there's something more there that I'm discovering as I've, I've been writing about it. I've been writing about and pulling out journals of like all the notes I took. And it's the trust, you guys. I think that's what it is with ultra terrestrials. It's trusting that you're safe and not feeding into the fear narrative that does come up because it is scary. I mean, it's scary. I've been seeing dead people since I was born and it still scares me. I'm 42 and like, when I see a shadowy figure, I'm like, seriously, like, it's scary. Like, we're going to be scared. Like, when we see these beings, we're going to be scared. But it's like you're saying with the out-of-body experiences, it's like each time you do it, it's like opening a little bit more and, and breathing and allowing the energy to come in. Because what I'm experiencing is that they have this incredible, immense love for us. There is so much love and respect for us coming into this experiment here and, and being a part of it. And there's a lot of beings that don't want to be a part of it. So it's really quite amazing, really. So anyway, not to go on a tangent, but I just, I'm so passionate about it because it's just really up for me right now, this whole thing with like, there's so much hate and anger in the world. And I think let's just love each other. Let's love these things we don't understand instead of fearing what we don't understand. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny because you you bridge, you bridge the UFO topic with the spiritual, the spiritual quality of life. And it's interesting because um, I think one, another way for people to bridge this understanding of UFOs in their own understanding is think back to old religions. You know, the Old Testament definitely has experiences described in it that that definitely seem more like UFOs than anything else. If you know, anyway, if you have a Bible next to you, grab, you know, read the book of Ezekiel, and he describes his vision. And if if you read it today, based on everything you've seen in the news or UFO videos, he's he didn't know what he was describing. But now you look, you read it, and it's like, oh, that's definitely he's talking about a UFO. Mm-hmm. You know, there's artwork from hundreds of years ago, a thousand, you know, well, hundreds of years ago, at least in Europe, Catholic artwork that has UFOs in the background. And of course, the original societies, the indigenous societies around the world have their own ongoing relationship dating back to the beginning of time with UFOs. And also if you describe if people's descriptions of angels, mm-hmm. when, you know, even the Marian apparitions in, in Europe, where people, they see something and they say, oh, that's the Virgin Mary. But it didn't really look that like the Virgin Mary. I mean, I've seen footage of it. I'm like, that's that's not the Virgin Mary. That's that's a light ship or it's something else. You know, it's something not mm-hmm. of this world. It doesn't look like a lady wearing a gown. It looks like a ship. <laughs> but people translate to their what they understand the best. So I think it's possible that a lot of contact people have had with angels or other spiritual things may in fact be these other beings from other parts of the universe. And maybe they serve similar roles. Maybe these beings are messengers. You know, that's the Greek translation of the word of, of angel. You know, they're messengers. Mm-hmm. And these ones definitely have messages for us in different ways. So th- there is a spiritual component there. Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't you agree that Tibetan culture is chock full of it? I mean, if you read anything from the Tibetan culture, from from yetis to um, the crystal beings that are in caves underneath Lhasa, I mean, 
I would love, I mean, it's never going to happen, obviously, but I would love to sit down with the Dalai Lama and say, okay, like, what have you seen? Because I just, the, their culture, even the sounds they make, like, there's just something about the, I mean, I obviously love the Tibetan culture, but wouldn't you agree there's something very interstellar about it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I might get this right, so I apologize if I get it wrong. I mean, I might get this wrong. Um, <laughs> so there, there are several main lineages of Tibetan Buddhism. One of them is the Sakya lineage, S-A-K-Y-A. And I think I remember reading somewhere that the way they understand where they came from, and I don't know if they is their lineage or Tibetan people or all people, is they trace their roots back to apes who were in union with celestial beings. And then mm -hmm. the children of that union became who they are today. Oh, wow. And you know, there are a lot of theories about a million years ago, maybe UFOs came down and played with our DNA to make us who we are today, to give us the advanced intelligence, to give us the higher brain. That's one hypothesis that's out there. But this Sakya, the story of where the Sakyas come from, or where they say, our roots are from seems to resemble that hypothesis that we're the result we're the result of a mixture of two different kinds of beings and one of those came from up there and you know for me when i think of that experience i had in the liminal state where i was in sexual union with that being and the, the energy rose up my spine there are a lot of stories in indian tibet of yogis practicing in the forest or in caves who have an encounter with a deity or a, you know some kind of spirit. And sometimes it's a sexual encounter and then the energy flows. And so they regard it as a blessing that it opened up their energy system or conveyed blessings of some sort onto them. And if you look at the long list of deities in tantric Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism, you know, they don't look quite human. You know, usually they have two arms and two legs, but sometimes they have four arms or, you know, Chenrezi, you know, he has a thousand arms, or they have the very obvious uh, third eye, or they carry various implements and weapons. Some of them are blue, some are black, some are orange. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all sorts of colors. You think, wow, maybe they were seeing some of them who had direct contact with them in retreat <laughs> or in a monastery. They were actually having an encounter, mm -hmm. and they just interpreted it through through their lens. You know, There's a story of um, Dilgo Kyansa Rinpoche, who was a very highly revered teacher. You know, he's passed a long time now, but anyone who knows about Tibetan Buddhism knows who Dilgo Kyansa Rinpoche is, and he has there's a book about him out. Um, and at one point, he was in retreat by himself, and he spent many years in solitary retreat, and he would have an attendant bring him food and stuff. And one day the attendant was approaching his cave and saw that there was a tree outside his cave that was on fire, like all the time. It was just burning constantly, but it wasn't being consumed. And he came in and asked, you know, what's going on with this tree on fire? And Dilgo Kinsa said, leave it alone. That's, oh, who did he say it was? Um, I forget the name, but it, he, he said, that's so-and-so, like the name of, uh, one of their deities, that the fire in the tree was the that deity and said, just leave it alone. But it's interesting because we have Moses and the burning bush. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I'm blanking on his name, but there, right now there's a family that has had a lot of contact in their home, around their home with these beings. And then they had a tree in their backyard that spontaneously burst in a fire and only the center of the tree burned. The outside was fine. Mm -hmm. but core was on this spontaneous fire by itself you say oh it's lightning but in the context of the fact that they've had many 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 other weird paranormal ufo related experiences in their family on their property you know so so yeah we had these little clues dropping through the religious stories the spiritual anecdotes through history through artwork that this is in every culture throughout time. Mm -hmm. Some of these breadcrumbs don't change across history. So it's really, it's a lovely mystery at the least. 
I agree. That would be a great book, wouldn't it? To write about all these different things and these different religions. Probably somebody's already done it, but it would be a cool, I don't want to do it. That's your next one. Do it, do it. Oh, no, no, I don't need any more projects. But I mean, it is interesting because, you know, I mean, yeah, when you bring up those instances, I can think of so many times I've read something where it's uh, so obvious that it's not what you think it is. And it goes back to what do we even think it is? Like, what do we think God's source is? Like, it goes back to your whole search in your life. You know what happens when we die? We don't die. I mean, I've even been struggling with like, <laughs> like I'm redefining what being a medium is because I don't really believe in death. So now I'm like, well, how do I even say, what am I connecting with? You know, it's these imprints of energy. I mean, that's what you're connecting with when you talk to someone who's left. And that's why they're, they'll literally stand in my home with me like a hologram and communicate. But to me, it's like Superman in his crystal cave. Remember Superman and he had the cave and he pulled out the crystals and it played certain things, right? That's what I think it is. I mean, I think it's more of this accessing of this like photon light package that you're opening and saying, oh, here's the information and here's what this person wants to say who's left their physical body. But there's so much science out there now, even, you know, what's happening in quantum physics. I mean, there's a lot of science just to, we're just experiencing so many different realities at one time. And so it's really hard. I mean, it's hard to define any of it. And I think it's so fascinating to look at these, you know, the old stories or, you know, I read the whole Bible cover to cover, which was weird in my twenties, but I really wanted to read it. <laughs> I was like, I want to, I'm Catholic. Like I should read this book. And the stories are just so spiritual and beautiful and amazing. And they have nothing to do with the agenda behind it. Like it's totally like it's its own little world. So anyways, it's like a long tangent, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you guys have such great. Thank you, Lars. He's saying great talk. And Jeff, we love Jeff. He's one of our members. Um, excited for the possibilities with communication and exchange of information for sure. I mean, that's another thing with with UFOs and, and the ultra terrestrials. A part of the information that I've gotten and I've seen in some of the documentaries that have been coming out are very similar in this information that, you know, because of this pandemic, for example, um, they're here trying to help us, trying to get us technology that we need for uh, medical. And if you watch Joni Petrie, who I'm obsessed with, um, she's an astrologer on YouTube. She's awesome, Sean, you'd love her so much. She's just so great. She's very Texas. She's got her big hair and she just is awesome. But she practices Vedic astrology and she is like the most well-versed Vedic astrologer I've ever seen. Um, but she said that all of the, the, the astrological lineups between now and the end of the year are for ultra terrestrials to come forward, the technology to significantly advance. And so there's all this energy swirling, like what's going to come forward? What are they going to help us with? Are they helping the government with these things now? You know, what's really happening? There's just so much. Oh my God, I love this. So Ms. Silver said, it's 4 a.m. here in Australia. Oh my gosh, synchronicity. I woke this early and you two were live and I thought this was a mediumship talk. Well, I'm so glad you came in here. That's so great. And in Australia, it's so far away from us. You guys are at your winter solstice and we're at our summer solstice. So it's kind of crazy to think about having a winter in the middle of june but it's probably the opposite for them <laughs> <laughs> it's funny yeah australia uh, there's a one of my favorite documentaries about ufos on netflix is called australian skies i, I think that's so not australian but australian like alien oh okay so just thought I'd put that out there since she's from australia but yeah great footage from other countries is available out there on the internet so Oh but what we need around the world is love for sure for our society and also to connect with other, you know, ultra terrestrial societies. Mm -hmm. It's all about compassion. I mean, at the end of the day, it's that simple and that hard. 
because it's not easy. I mean, even now I've been practicing, I read my Bodhisattva vows every single week and I've been practicing for since my initiation in 2009. And even now there's a deepening and, and more layers of understanding and it's like a disciplined practice for me. So everybody be compassionate with yourself. Like it takes time to love yourself it takes time to love other people. It's not just something you can turn on. And when it comes to connecting with these beings, there is so much fear energy. So the best thing you can do to me is just breathe and allow. Just breathe and allow and be in the heart because that you're going to bring in the loving beings if you're in your heart. If you're in fear and you're freaking out or you're being demanding, that drives me crazy, by the way, when people are on ghost hunters and they're like, make something turn on. And it's like, you're so rude. These be beings don't want to do that. Like, stop. But don't be rude and don't be fearful. And then you won't bring in service to self. You won't bring in that kind of energy because you're bringing in the, the Pleiadian and the Lemurian and the Andromedan. And I mean, there's like thousands of species, but you'll bring in the light beings. And keep in mind that like, are galactic spiders aggressive and taking over planets and scary to some people? Yes, but then I have this like buddy. So you gotta know, and and I was watching interviews with ultra or extra dimensionals, which is such a great, have you seen that, Sean? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it is worth subscribing to Gaia, you guys. <laughs> interviews with extra dimensionals, there's like 70 episodes. This guy has interviewed all these channels and he's actually interviewing the being that they channel. So it's unbelievable. I cannot stop watching it. It's so great because it's so much of like the work I've done over the years that I've not really publicly talked about until this year. And it's like, oh my God, like this is for real stuff that other people are getting. You guys have to watch it. But one of the men on there, his name's Rob Gautier, I think is how you say his last name, but he channels a reptilian and it's a benevolent being. So like, you know, they're, they're all out there and you'll bring in the kindness if you're in loving kindness. That was the whole point of that. But go watch interviews with uh, extra dimensionals because it's so good. I mean, it's like, it's so amazing. <laughs> it's like, you can't stop watching it because they're talking about, you know, the universe and how things work and, you know, just where they all come from. There's like, a, you know, channeling reptilians and pleiadians and bashar is on there i mean it's a lot of you know the the famous trans channels but um anyways it's just really good <laughs> so i want to we've already spent an hour which time flies but i would love for you to share you know um i know you're spending a lot of time inwards which is what i wanted to talk about but i think what we talked about was really great anyways um but how can folks connect with you and what do you have going on and what's upcoming and all that good stuff yeah, uh, I'm not teaching public classes. I'm just, I have a closed group that I work with regularly, but everything I know, I made a point to put in my books and online courses, everything. You know, do you, do you hate it when you read a book that says, we're gonna show you how to do this and then it, it fails? Like it just didn't give you everything that you needed, you know? So in terms of clairvoyance, telekinesis, out-of-body experiences, I've shared everything in all my materials so so that I'm unnecessary and people can retain their power and their autonomy. All you need is the resources and then you apply the work and you can have these experiences for yourselves as long as you don't give up. Um, and I'm starting to convert my books into audiobooks. So Renegade Mystic will soon be out in audiobook and that's the one that has all the deepest messages stemming from my work and my negative experiences when I was younger, you know, so it's sort of right like a big brother telling you, don't make the same mistakes that I did. <laughs> of course, that's how I learned the lessons. But so, but yeah, I'm, but I'm really spending a lot more time going inward, uh, working on myself, because one thing I realized just as a side note, it was that all the teaching I did and also practicing psychic abilities, I did a terrible job of re-energizing myself and I was like bleeding energy and I was working on an empty fuel tank after all and it's really hard to reaccumulate that subtle energy at least for me and I left myself very open I think you know if you think about people taking energy from other people I was just wide open there for a couple of years and I think some of that 
drained out of me that way too. So right now for me is a period of being more quiet. You know, I'm doing this interview with you, but I'm not really doing interviews with other people right now because it's another energy drain and I'm working on myself because I have a lot of work to do on many levels on myself. You know, I'm, um, I have a lot of growing up to do still, but definitely meditating more, just very basic meditation, re retaining energy, doing some Qigong, things like that, and just watching and trying not to automatically believe everything I see online, try to stay open-minded, and also trying not to be such an asshole in traffic. You know, I think that's the basic <laughs> measure. When I have more energy, and I'm working more from my higher level, more bodhicitta, loving kindness. That means in day-to-day -day activity, when I'm out in traffic or sh shopping for food or whatever, that's the measure. Can I be a decent, patient, unracist person? You know, can I be more loving, more accepting of everyone, even if I don't agree with everyone? You know, just can I be better? Because I think that's the measure of how I'll be up here when working on a larger scale, on these more subtle spiritual things. How I am as a regular person on the street probably reflects my ability to be a better person up here. So just working on myself these days. <laughs> I love it. Well, I love you, Sean. Thank you so much for well, being on. Yeah. I hope you come back because I think there's so much, there's just so much we can talk about. I mean, I think that's true for so many of my guests, but it's just, there's just lots to talk about. I mean, yeah. really, it's a place to process stuff like this. Yeah, it's great to see you again. I love talking to you. Um, we have a lot of common ground, so it's it's been really great. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to everybody who's been in the audience today from Denmark to Australia to, um, I think we have some Las Vegas folks. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. And um, I guess I will just plug the fact because I'm terrible, you guys, at promoting myself. So I'm going to say if you want to be part of our moon circles, we do have a full moon circle this Thursday at 1 p.m. And you just join the circle. So if you go to lisamgunshore.com, it's the very first page. It gives you access to all the premium content in the Ajatakasa app. Um, so there's over a thousand videos in there, you guys. It's insane, the content. I can't even keep up with it. And um, you also get to be part of these moon circles um, every full moon and new moon. And I do a transmission from the Sacred Council. Um, and then we also practice our CE5 energy and do all sorts of things in there. I do readings in there and whatever. So come and join that as well. Um, and for everybody who is not in the Ajatakasa app, come and be a part of it. It is our own social media. I built it for us. There are no algorithms, no tracing, no tracking, no censorship. It's nonviolent. It is the place to be. So thank you. Thank you, Sean, so much. And you guys have a great day. I will be back on Sunday with Julie Whale. Bye, guys.